Day One Starter Podcast coming at you right now. Episode 10. Um, I, 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 hey, I must say, uh, I really like doing these podcasts. They're getting fun. Um, I would like to get, I would like to add a co-host, you know, because as much as I love talking and I could hear myself talk all day, I don't mind it. But as much as I love talking, I mean, it would help to, to have another opinion on here. So I've been talking to a couple people. About coming on, uh, I'll probably make a decision in the next, honestly, I'd probably say month, because I don't want to just pick anyone. I want to have a couple guests on, I want to have a couple people on, I want to get, I want to get as many different opinions as I can on here, so, so off the bat, I just want to say thanks, you know, I want to say thanks for the people who listen, thanks for the people who follow me on Instagram, you know, some of the people, uh, Twitter, uh, I, Twitter's kind of tough to gauge, I, I don't use Twitter as much as I, I kind of use Twitter just to kind of mess around with the Jets and get back on it because I deleted it for a while because it was starting to get just a little little OD, but I like it now, though. Uh, I like it, the fact that I just I just go on and just view sports. You know, I, I like that. You know, nothing else. I just want to read about the Jets. I want to read about the NFL. That's all I want to read about, you know. But, you know, just saying thank you. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm getting about 80 to 120 total listens on my podcasts. Um, and in Anchor app, uh, there's like a little applause button. And every time I open it up, I'm, I'm seeing more and more come down. So thank you. And uh, I have I have two ad, uh, two ad sponsorships that I could put on, but I kind of don't really want to do that yet. Um, to me, it's just, uh, I'm just doing this for fun. I'm not doing it to make money, not yet at least, but I just I just enjoy talking sports really. Uh, I'm not really, I, you know, the the amount I would make off it is like inconsequential. It's it's not life changing. I I would rather just give you guys what's on my mind. But um, what I what I wanted to start with today was the Raiders, and you know, if you go back to when John Gruden was hired. You know, everyone thought, oh, it's Gruden, it's Gruden, who's the next Gruden, who's the next that? But once McVeigh came on the scene, you notice how a lot of people forgot about about Gruden. You know, they, no one was looking to find the next Gruden except the Raiders. <laughs> because they're, all they do is reach back in their past, you know? And it's like people who talk about high school football all the time. And, hey, don't get me wrong, high school football, fun fun time. And after a while, you got to move on. But... Uh, I, that's what I think the Raiders are doing. They're, they're just, they're reaching back, but I, I think I see where Gruden's going. I think he spent enough time, um, around the new age college quarterbacks with the Gruden camp and stuff like that. I, I get that. So I think he knows that he's got to take them in a little bit of a, of a different direction. I think he wants his own guy at quarterback. I mean, you got to think about this. If I, if Ask yourself this: If you took over a team, would you would you want the last guy's quarterback, or would you kind of want your own? And 
granted, it could be different for some guys, you know, like, look, McVay didn't inherit, yeah, McVay inherited Goff, but Goff was coached for like one year, you know, uh, look at, um, look at Gase in Miami, how many coaches, how many coaches tried working with Tannehill before Gase did, and Gase got a playoff appearance out of him, and the guy couldn't even stay healthy. So, you know, after a while, you you either want to inherit a quarterback that, you know, maybe was coming off a, a, a just a one-year terrible head coach like he did with Sam Darnold, like McVay did with Goff, um, and, and, and you want to, and you want to, that's like getting a fresh start for both that young quarterback and that head coach, you know, but, but you look at, like I said, when, when they brought, when McVay started coming around, you, you notice how the, the chatter and even Gase to an extent, because Gase was like that. Gruden, let me put it like this. Gruden represents more than just a coach. He represents an idea. He was once an up-and-coming offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Or he was offensive coordinator or a QB coach, I think. You know, and he was one of the first few guys in a, in a very media-heavy media-centric NFL that started to realize that they were very, very, very profitable. And he was one of the first few guys to capitalize on that, in my opinion. Just from reading about him, from kind of growing up around him, like, that was Gruden, Gruden, Gruden. Like that, he was the genius, you know? And once McVeigh came around, it was, whoop, where's the next McVeigh? Where's the next McVeigh? Where's the next McVeigh? And like I said, they're, they're, they're planting, they're, they're this close to getting... You know, McVeigh's uh, sperm bottled up and, and growing a farm of him. That's how much coaches want to find him. You know, the Packers head coach rubbed shoulders with him once and he got a job. So <laughs> go figure, man. Uh, and didn't it, not the Titans head coach, uh, who was it? Oh, no, no, yeah, that is him. Yeah, LaFleur. He was the Titans QB. I don't even know. All I know is I don't think he deserved it. But because he knew McVeigh. And even, you know, I, I think Gruden has a pretty impressive coaching tree, too. Or guys who were affiliated or vouched for by Gruden, you know. And if I remember correctly, Gruden came from the Holmgren tree. So, it, hey, look, Holmgren was the Andy Reid before Andy Reid. But to Andy Reid's credit, man, that guy's, that guy's evolved. He's, he's grown his game. It doesn't even matter who you give him. You give him Uncle Rico a quarterback, he'll turn him into an all-pro. You know, so that's why it's hard to gauge Andy Reid's players. But back to Gruden, you know, if you look at all the guys who have come back to a second stint, guys like Dick, uh, guys like uh, Joe Gibbs, Dick Vermeil, you know, how did they do, right? So Mike Dicka with the Chicago Bears. Now, I don't like talking about different uh, decades because they're not really comparable, but there are themes that, that get that pa- that uh, translate, you know, like bringing a coach back. You know, there's a nostalgia aspect to it. So that's oh, nostalgia. Nostalgia is one of the biggest money makers, and it's one of the biggest sellers. You know, it's you can sell Ditka because he's basically his own brand. You could sell Gruden because he's his own brand. You could you could you could sell a Gibbs because he won Super Bowls in Washington. You see, so whenever, you know. Think about it. When you were a kid and you had dessert, you know, you had like your first ice cream sundae when you were like eight. An ice cream sundae is always going to be the bomb to you no matter what age you are, unless you're diabetic. You know, and that's what coaches are. Coaches that were 
successful at one point and then they come back, you know? It's like, ooh, I had that before. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that. But like I said, at an older age, you got to worry about diabetes. And with a recycled coach, you got to worry about recycled tendencies. And sometimes you're like, oh, man, this, oh, wow, I forgot how bad this guy was at managing timeouts. Oh, man, oh, I, I forgot I, I forgot how bad Gruden, Gruden uh, treated his quarterbacks. Oof. You know, look what he's doing in a car right now. And I like Gruden. I think he's, I think he's a smart guy. I do somewhat think he's in over his head. But let's take a look. Mike Ditka. So he was with the Chicago... Remember, nostalgia here. This is where I'm going, the angle I'm going with on this one. Oh, Mike Ditka with the Bears. The Bears. He was 112 and 68. A 622 winning percentage, right? The Saints, right? Let's all, let's go get Ditka. He represents, tough guy winning and... And and smash mouth football, and we're we're gonna uh, return to glory like he did with the Bears, you know, fifteen and thirty three and a three hundred winning percentage with the with the Saints, and what he was most famous for with the Saints. Speaking of a uh, pre draft specials, he packaged an entire draft for Ricky Williams. Yes, that Ricky Williams, the Ricky Williams who took a year or two off for smoking weed. To smoke weed, I'm sorry. However, look, Ricky Williams had a decent career, but he didn't have a good one in, in New Orleans, so that was just a bust pick for them. But if you if you look at what the Redskins did with those picks, because that's who they traded with, the Saints traded with the Redskins, who did they net out of that? I'll get to that in a second. Absolutely nobody. That's an even bigger monumental embarrassment. The fact that they got seven picks and netted nobody. That means they had a combination of, what, seven picks around or however many it was back then. They probably had 13 picks or some shit like that. And they, they landed like two players. I'll get to that in a second here. So, you look at Joe Gibbs in, uh, was it Joe Gibbs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, was it Joe Gibbs? No. Next, next one up is Herm Edwards, right? Herm Edwards, Kansas City Chiefs, right? He was with the Kansas. He was with the Jets. Then he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, fifteen and thirty four with the Chiefs. Ah, oh, and even his year with the Jets. Ah, oh, he was not that good. Like he had like, what do you do? What do you have? One playoff year, and he was fired in like, in the in the mid two thousands. What do you? He got fired before Mangini. So what? What, what do you do? Oh four, oh five, oh six, and Mangini was uh, and Mangini was oh six, oh seven, oh eight. I think O'Herm was oh uh, three. 0405 and her and uh, Mangini was 060708 and then Rex came in in 09 yeah so her Edwards with the Chiefs 15 and 34 and trust me he didn't do much better with the Jets and now he's with Arizona State so you know who knows how that's gonna work out Joe Gibbs who I was talking about before Joe Gibbs with the Washington Redskins remember him yeah you know, oh Super Bowls and he was he was great he had if I remember correctly Joe Gibbs won one with uh was it Rippin Mark Rippin. Who did he, uh, 1981? Did he win with Mark Rippon? I think it was Mark Rippon. Gibbs took Washington to the playoffs twice in four seasons before retiring again. Uh, the most... Yeah, he's the most successful coach in Washington history. Right, so... With his first stint, 81-92. to 92, 140 and 65. A 683 winning percentage. When he came back in 04... 31 and 36. Look, that's not that bad out of all these guys. But still, it's not what you expected... You know, you wanted the Sunday and you got diabetes, you know. 
I think he did have a playoff season or two in there. Uh, let me see what I wrote. Yeah, he did. All right, so he had Gibbs uh, Washington in the playoffs. All right, so look, he took him back to the playoffs twice in four seasons, but at the same time, he had a losing record, 400, 450 winning percentage. That's nothing. That's not what you expected, at least. Denny Green with the Minnesota Vikings, right? 92 to 2001. Denny Green was a great coach with the Vikings. Great coach, right? 101 and 70, 591 winning percentage, right? With the Cardinals, 16 and 32. From 04 to 06, he lasted three years. I mean, come on. You know, I, I, this is, this is, this should just go to show you that the Raiders, and like I've said, the Raiders are doomed. They are not going to do well with Gruden. I think the team will be because of all the picks and the and the draft capital they have, they will have some type of protective floor so that if Gruden fails, they can they can wipe their hands. Look, uh, we're gonna we're opting out of this contract. Uh, we're done with you. You know, maybe he could take like a front office role, which I doubt he will, because Gruden will just. He's a prideful guy. He wouldn't do that. You know, it's like watching someone bang your girlfriend. You know, after you break up or some shit, it's just, you know, would you, re- would you really want to be up in the booth watching uh, some other coach win with a team you couldn't win with? Come on. You know, now, which brings me to Parcells, though. Parcells, Parcells was, he has a very interesting career, but with the Giants 83 to 90, he was 85, 52 and 1, a 616 winning percentage, right? New England Patriots, New York Jets, in, the, in this time, is like a six-year time span, 93 to 99. 64 and 54, good. A 542 winning percentage, right? Comes to the Dallas Cowboys, barely, just 500. So, you see the trend there, and it's hard to refute trends, as I've said before. So, And look, he had some good years in there. He took the Jets to a championship game, which, which was the first game I ever watched. Heartbreaker, sucked. But, it, it's, what, how much more proof do I need to tell you that Looking back is not a way to move forward in the NFL. You know, the Raiders looking backwards to bring back Gruden. I don't think it was a money grab. As I've, I, I know I've said that before, but I don't think it was a money grab. I think it was Mark Davis trying to finish something and, and or make something right that I feel like a lot of people think his father messed up. You know, like like his dad did with Mike Shanahan. Remember when Mike Shanahan was the head coach of the Raiders and he got rid of him? You know, and then he went and Shanahan went to the Broncos. But Shanahan sued Al Davis because he owed him money on a contract. And there's a funny video on on Shanahan where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm still waiting for that money. And look, he's not going to get it. But I think what I'm trying to get at here is the Raiders are trying to build a successful team, and it just sucks because they have all the draft capital in the world now, but they fucked up the one main crucial part is you need a, a, a quarterback guru coach. And I think Gruden's a little over... I, I think he knows what he's talking about, but I think he's a little overhyped in it. You know, think of all the quarterbacks he's had. But what, name one quarterback Gruden has ever developed. This is what I always found fascinating about him. What quarterback has he ever developed? Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson was like 35 when he got when he won a Super Bowl with him with the Bucks. So I don't even count that. And that team was stacked. You know, um, you had uh, you had Brooks, uh, John Lynch, uh, Mike Allstott, uh, not work done. 
Was it worked out? No, I forget who it was, the running back, the other running back. Uh, he had a lot of good players on the team. But was Joe Jaravicious on receiver on the team? Uh, we're, we're talking years ago, but yeah, we're talking 01. So, 02, whatever it was. But they just, they botched that. And, you know, you, you need your quarterback and your head coach not even on the same page. They have to be, they have to be so in sync that they're waking up at the same time, putting their shoes on at the same time, and kissing their wife goodbye at the same time. And going to the, you know, they're in a race to get who's getting there first at the stadium, at the at the facility. You know, and I, I just think the Raiders are, for lack of a better term, an ass-backwards organization. Like, what is their message to fans on this draft, right? You just sent home scouts because you didn't trust them. Let's look. Backtrack there for a second. You didn't trust your own scouts because you feared that leaks were going to happen? See, that right there tells me dysfunction, right? And I remember reading a um a couple days ago that the guy Gil Brandt... Now, look, Gil Brandt is about as senile as they come. He was talking about Daniel Jones being... Uh, the next uh, Peyton Manning or whatever, if I if I quoted him correctly. So don't even put anybody in Peyton Manning's category. But go YouTube Peyton Manning highlights and then, and then tell me Daniel Jones, a Duke quarterback, is like him. Just because he had the same coach that coached Peyton Manning at, at a Manning camp. Give me a fucking break. He also said Sam Bradford had the best pro days in Troy Aikman. And Sam Bradford's been on 38 teams since. Granted, he's making twenty million a pop, man. That that, pfft. God bless you, Sam Bradford. I my hat, I tip my hat to you. But Gil Brandt said that sometimes they 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 would set a trap for a certain. They would look. You you're always gonna have an idea that like, imagine, you know, if you tell one person something like, hey, look, you know, we're we're looking at this uh this kid out of Oklahoma, you know, we 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 might make a move for him, right? And then all of a sudden, ten minutes later. You know, you say goodbye to, to John Dipshit, you know, the scout, scout Dipshit. And 10 minutes later, you're seeing Ian Rappaport report that, uh, you know, the Raiders are high on, on Kyler Murray and want to, you know, do a trade to get him. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to trust that guy. You know, that's annoying. That's really annoying. And it just makes building a winning culture that much harder. So Gilbrand said that they would set traps. And look, the guy was the vice president. Uh, was the vice president of player personnel for the Cowboys during their reign over the NFC. So, look, I'm sure he knows about that. I just don't think he knows shit about quarterbacks. I would never take that guy's word. That guy and Bucky Brooks are the two biggest dumbasses. You know, maybe they might get one or two right here, but, you know, oh, oh Luck's going to be the next great. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't take a genius to figure that one out. That was amazing in college. He also had an amazing coach, Harbaugh. You know, but... The Raiders are like, you know, they can't even, they can't even leak a potential smokescreen, right? Or maybe it is a smokescreen. I don't know. But that to me sounds like a serious problem. And which is why I ask, what's their message to the fans? You have a 31-year-old wide receiver who, if you read Twitter and you just see the vibe that's going between the Steelers and... Antonio Brown versus the Steelers players and Le'Veon Bell. Yo, Le'Veon Bell congratulated uh, 
uh, James Conner for being a great running back. He predicted good stats for him, and he's showing him love. What does AB do? Now, granted, Juju Smith, go look this up. Juju Smith-Schuster kind of egged him on it with an Instagram post, or, or t- I think it was an Instagram post. Look it up. Do, do, uh, do uh, AB Juju Instagram post. Look it up. You, you'll see that. Juju Smith-Schuster kind of, kind of provoked it. But at the same time, though, AB, you're, you're 31 years old, bro. Juju Smith-Schuster is like 22. Let it go, bro. No, he's not better than you. I everyone knows that. You're you're one of the you're literally the best receiver in the NFL. But you know, to go on LeBron's or whatever it is, stupid barbershop show and start, you know, dropping the N bomb and, 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 and cursing and you know, talking about how like, yo, yeah, they gotta respect me and oh yeah, I did that. Dude, dude, you're the you you were the number one receiver in the NFL. Where are you not getting the respect from? You know, they, it's just crazy, dude. You've made a lot of money. You've already made your money. You've been paid. What are you bugging about? But, like I said, you know, you bring that type, and this is what I say with the Browns. When you bring personalities in like that into an organization where you're trying to build a, a winning culture and not trying to build, you know, a guy stats up like AB because you know if he don't get his stats he's gonna bitch. You know it's just not conducive. So, so so this is what you're telling fans right now. Uh, we have a quarterback that we don't even know if if our head coach likes. We have a head coach who hasn't coached in the twelve years. Right, but because he was on TV and built this whole facade of being a QB guru, even though he's never developed one. You know you brought him back because he's the ice cream sundae to your fans. Except here comes the diabetes. You know, you have that. You trade your best pass rusher. And I tell, this is what I tell people. In this league, you can never have enough. You can never have enough corners. You can never have enough pass rushers. And you can, you need a quarterback. You have three of those or two-thirds. And you are good. And an O-line in there. You have to have three or four or two or three. Whichever, whichever you think is more important to you, you know. Because you could say the pass rush could make the... If you have a superior pass rush, you can make your secondary look good. Some people argue that's what happened with the Seahawks. So, you know, like, this is what I'm saying. And now you have all these leaks. They're going to make a surprise pick. I, I call bullshit. I don't even know what they do, what they're going to do. But what they should do, this would be my idea. And from a Jets fan perspective, they should trade with the Jets. You, you have the ammo. You have the picks. You're not jumping, you're not jumping up far. You're going from, what is it, five or six? Uh, or the Giants are at six, and they're at five, whatever it is. You're going two, three spots, dude. You know, you don't have to give up that much, you know. So you should trade with the Jets. But I, I don't, I don't know if the Jets would do that. I mean, to, well, if the Jets want to move back, they're going to move back like five spots. They don't want to move back like five spots. They're, they're going to want to move back to fifteen, which is why I think a Redskins trade would be ideal. But I'll get to that in a second. So I just think the Raiders. Um, I think. The Raiders have no idea what they're doing in terms of just what they're telling the league and their fans. You know, they're trying to build this facade that they're forward-thinking, you know, we got the best receiver and we have a young quarterback, we have an offensive-minded coach, and it's just all fugazi. Like, if you look at where all those things derive from, it just is not a conducive environment for a winning culture. It's just not. 
No, and I've picked them to be one of my biggest disappointments this year. And I picked AB to be one of my biggest disappointments. And I think Gruden's not going to be able to handle him. So that's my take on the Raiders. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get into a lot of speculation with the draft because I, I find it very annoying. Uh, I hate mock drafts. I think they're stupid. You don't know who's going one yet. You don't know who's going two. So, so if you don't know who's going one, two, three, and four, how, the, how are you going to predict? How do you predict round four? How do you predict round three? How do you, how do you predict, let alone the 10th pick? You know, I mean, I get it. You, 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 you go to off teams who you're looking at teams and what they need, and then you, you know, you can kind of gauge what's going on in the first couple picks, and then you kind of build from there. But it's just dumb. That's why I just tell people sit back and wait. You know, I and uh, <laughs> there's a um. That's all I want to say about the Raiders. But the next topic I want to talk about this week, uh, last week that came out was uh, the ratings between uh, between Mike Francesa and, you know, uh, uh, Michael Kay. And I just want to say this. I love Francesa. I think Francesa's great. I like his takes on things. I think he's a little bit of a mush, which is pretty evident by now. But I like that this new Mike is a little more... I think he's a little more laid back. The old Mike was like, was kind of a dick. But I still, it's crazy because I still listen to him. But for Michael K and Don LaGreca and stupid Peter Rosenberg. First of all, Rosenberg is the worst thing to ever happen to ESPN Radio. And that's saying a lot for ESPN because ESPN is trash. You know, if they're not posting about what Zion ate for breakfast, they're posting about what LeBron, what, what type of Ciroc LeBron drank in the Bahamas in his stupid tight shorts. Nobody cares, ESPN. You've become a joke. My God. But, you know, for, for ESPN to tout, you know, uh, some, some whack Hot 97 uh, um, disc jockey like Rosenberg, and he's like, oh, hold this L, bro. Like, dude, you make me cringe. Rosenberg, you make me cringe. Not to mention that you lecture people like crazy, you know, and you bring up, you bring, you bring politics into sports and anybody who knows me knows that I'm interested in politics, but I keep it out of sports. People don't want to hear both of them. People don't want to hear about your, you know, your, your run in with, uh, you know, or, or your run in with, uh, some white supremacist or, you know, how, how Philly should have beat New England because it was for the cult. What? I mean, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, leave that shit out of politics. And I get it. Sometimes the, sometimes the lanes, you know, they cross and they meet. But, you know, you're, this is someone telling you who's, you know, I, I like politics, but I leave them out. Leave them out of sports. Stop talking about them. You know, and that's, and you bring like this corny political nature to it. And it's, it's, oh, it's so lame. And then you got Michael Kay, and actually Don McGregor kind of, kind of just sat there looking around like, oh my god, like even he looked like he was a little cringy when they were breaking out the champagne, and oh, it was just embarrassing. You know, you can't say you have the the, you have the throne now and act like you've never been there. What you should have done was, congratulate Mike on a, on a on a hard fought out. And first of all, you didn't even win it. Actually, you included a stream in it that shouldn't even be included in the numbers. So realistically, you actually lost by, 
I think, three-tenths of a, of a percent. So, look, it's good that you actually got you got up there and close to him, but, you know, come on, dude. Like, that was super lame of you guys. And because of that, I will purposely not listen to you now. I don't like your show as is. I think, like I said, I think Rosenberg's corny. I think he asks whack questions like the shit he asked to, to Carton about, you know, he was making, like, almost, like, not... It's very suggestive racial undertones to Carton. And you could tell Carton... Like, I, I obviously didn't watch it and watch how they were interacting. But if if I was in Carton's shoes, I'd be looking at him like, Yeah, what, what do you... Uh, yeah, well, no, I wasn't like that. You know, I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I didn't mean it like that. Like, why would you bring that up? You just ruined it. You know, it's just... The, you have a you have one guy that appeals to a very odd morning demographic, and then you have two other dudes that appeal to older Yankee fans and people who have timeshares down in Florida. You know, like guys who are retired that live down in Florida now. It's just an odd demographic. I, I and and the fact that you 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 made Fugazi numbers just it ruined it for me. You know, so Mike is still, to me, Mike and the and WFAN is still number one to me. I like everyone from Boomer and Geo down to what's his name, uh, John. Ah, I forget his name. He's on later on, like you know, like six o'clock, seven o'clock, like eight o'clock, whatever. But the disrespect for him is real. The disrespect for Mike is real, and it's it comes down to one thing. It's like when people hate the Patriots. You hate them because you're jealous. Yes, I'm a Jets fan. Yes, I am jealous of them. Yes, I want six Super Bowl rings. I want seven Super Bowl rings. I want eight Super Bowl rings. I want more than them. It's like people who talked about Jordan. You're jealous. You're jealous. You're peanut butter and jelly. So just stop. You know, because jealousy just breeds nothing. You know, it, jealousy breeds contempt. And contempt... Uh, jealousy breeds contempt and contempt breeds mediocrity. Oh, it's cracked my neck. It just breeds mediocrity. And I think a lot of people, from what I was reading online about it, about the Michael K and the Francesca thing, is people were turned off by it. So my advice to you, Michael, uh, Michael K and, and Peter Rosenberg, you clown, you know, you have your fake mantle right now. So when the next quarter ratings come out, act like you've been there. You know, you want to piss Mike off? Congratulate him. That'll piss him off. Anyway, back to the draft. So, everyone's rumored... Oh, so, so time out. The Frank Clark trade today. Now, two, for the past two weeks, I've been calling for the Jets to go big time for Frank Clark. 25-year-old, 25, 26-year-old pass rusher. Premium. Guy had... Oh, let me see. Guy had... How many pass... Uh, how many sacks? 13 sacks last year. The year before that, in 2017, he had... Uh, nine sacks, 2016, 10 sacks, and 2015, he was a rookie, three sacks. So, like I said, I mean, I don't know if he's worth $100 million that, that the that the Chiefs gave him. I'm actually almost glad the Jets didn't do that because the Chiefs gave up a lot for him. But, you know, look, the Chiefs are going to be very formidable this year. The, the only thing that I, I find kind of weird with the Frank Clark and the Chiefs thing is that they have a lot of guys with a lot of problems on that team. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, him, they all have, like, domestic violence. Past and 
Eh, like, and from what I talked about before with sending a message to the to the like what the Raiders are sending a message to, I just think it looks bad. Um, but I don't think I, in the long run, I just think as long as they win, who cares? You know, the picks will come and go. Uh, I if I if I'm gonna be fair and I'm gonna say that the Jets should give up the pick for a 25 year old pass rusher, I can't knock the Chiefs for doing that. You know, you can knock teams for a lot of picks, but. You know, I can't knock a team for doing something that I'm telling the Jets to do. But what I brought up before was the Redskins, right? The Redskins trade with the Saints back in 99 or 98, whatever it was, for Ricky Williams. You guys want to hear what this was? You guys want to hear how crazy this is, right? So like I said, Dick gave up the whole whole draft, right? To draft Ricky, Ricky Williams, right? Okay, so here you go. The Saints traded away eight picks, including two first-rounders, to the Washington Redskins so they could move up to their number 12 spot in the draft to the number five spot to draft Ricky Williams. Mind you, a guy who really didn't even do that well for them, right? So here's what the Redskins got. Check this. Check this, peeps. All right, so they got a 1999 first-round pick, 1999 third-round pick, 1999 fourth-round pick, 1999 fifth-round pick, 1999 sixth-round pick, 1999 seventh-round pick, 2000 first-round pick, which turned out to be the second overall, and 2000 third-round pick. Now, why do you bring this up, Richie? Because the Redskins are clowns, right? Do you know what both these, what both these trades netted? Because you're not even going to believe it. It's actually almost pitiful. And now this is when Dan Snyder first took over for the Redskins. So he was looking to make a make a splash. And boy, did he make one uh, about the size uh, of an ant dropping in the water. Who did he net from this trade? Well, I'll tell you. So the Redskins packaged uh, the first, third, and fourth, and fifth picks from the 99 draft. Along with their third round pick in 2000. Back to the Bears so they can move up in the 1999 draft and take Champ Bailey. Ch- How nuts is that? Right? So, check this out. They also traded the 6th and 7th round 1999 picks from the Saints to the Broncos so they could move up in the 1999 draft and, and draft Derek Smith. Tell me if you know who that is because I'll wait. But... They held on to the Saints' first and third round picks for 2000, right? The the two extra ones they got. And they drafted LeVar Arrington, decent pick. Sucked with the Giants, but he was good with... He was one of the be- He was actually one of the better middle, uh, middle linebackers. Even at Penn State, he was really good. So, And they drafted Lloyd Harrison, whatever. So, all in all, here's what the teams got, right? So, the Saints, they got Ricky Williams. The Redskins got Champ Bailey... LeVar Arrington, Derek Smith, and Lloyd Harrison. The Bears got Cade McNown, who was a quarterback, <laughs> who they actually ended up, I think, trading away for a first round. Oh, my God. That's a whole other story in and of itself. I'll talk about that one on the draft night. Dwayne Bates, Warwick Holdman, Kari Samuel, Dustin Lyman. That's the Bears. And the Broncos in this, because, you know, these are all the four teams that were involved, you know, in 1999, 2000. Desmond Clark and Billy Miller. So just to rehash that, right? 
The Saints traded all those picks to the Redskins. The Redskins traded a bunch of those picks to the Bears, right? And some of those picks to the Broncos. And all the Redskins got out of that was Champ Bailey and LeVar Arrington. So, out of all those picks, which is like 14 or some shit, 15 fucking picks, they got two guys. Dan Snyder, slap yourself. You have been revoked. That is terrible. But... Speaking of Dan Snyder and the Jets, I think a potential move here can be made. Jets and Washington, right? I know they talk, I know I spoke about the Jets and the and the Raiders trading before, but I think the Jets and the Redskins should trade. You know, and it really all depends on where it depends on who they want. Because say Bosa goes one, Quinn and Williams goes two, which would be the oh, the worst scenario for the worst and best scenario for the Jets because. If they don't get Bosa, I want Williams. But what the Redskins could do is... To ju- they're picking at pick 15 right now, right? So what the... What the... What the Skins could tr- uh, send to the Jets. They send the number 15 pick, the number 46 pick, which is round two. They're round three pick, uh, number 76... And I would say a next year's one and a next year's three. I mean, look, Dan Snyder's already proven to you that he's an absolute schmuck with with picks. You know? I don't think he's realized that you almost kind of need these picks to build teams now. The Seahawks know that. That's why they recouped a lot of their picks and and got rid of a, a pass rusher. Because they're so good at drafting, it doesn't even matter. They'll have another pass rusher next year. Some guy, you know, will come out of nowhere. So... This is what happened. So the Redskins would either draft probably Dwayne Haskins, who's a fat Geno Smith. You know what? Speaking of Dwayne Haskins, how fucking dare you show up to the combine looking like a fat slob? And you know what? Everyone, th- everyone thinks you're so good that, you know, uh, uh, this, is what, this is all I'm ever told from people who, who DM me and ask me about him. Oh, he throws missiles. He throws missiles. Oh, yeah, he's, he's great from the pocket. Uh, yeah, he has a first-round pick. He has at least one first-round pick blocking for him. A first-round pick receiver. I mean, I mean, he's got talent everywhere. He's at Ohio State. He's one of the best college coaches, too. What do you think? You know? And then when I bring this up to people, like, oh, what did Sam Darnold have? I'm like, uh, Sam Darnold had Clay Helton and Amata Bebe as a tight end. Ha- has anyone even heard of these guys? Like, has anyone heard of that guy? He had uh, Deontay Burnett, who didn't even get drafted last year. He was a, he was a, uh, a free agent receiver for, ten- for Tennessee, and the Jets picked him up later. So, don't tell me Dwayne Haskins is over here throwing missiles. Yeah, that's because no one's four feet from his, from his ankles when he's throwing. He's throwing from a clean pocket. I can throw from a clean pocket at Ohio State. Give me a fucking break on that. I, 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 anyone could, Geno Smith threw from a clean pocket in college. Yeah, he, he was great too. He, he honestly reminds me of a chubby Geno Smith. So, I think that's, honestly, I think that's a fair trade. If you look at some of... Uh, Blockbuster. Yeah, blockbuster NFL trades, right? So, five potential. The Giants, yeah, five potential. Here, look. Here's some of the trades. Remember what the Eagles did? Huh? Actually, no. Before I get to that, right? The Eagles, uh, where they traded for Carson Wentz, right? Check this one out. 
So this is the trade, right? The to uh, for the, to draft Carson Wentz, it originally resulted in the Browns giving up two picks in exchange for five from the Eagles, right? So this is what they ended up trading back in 2016. The Browns traded the second overall pick in the draft to the Eagles, who used it to get... Wait, what the hell? Where is this? I just had it right here. Oh, all right. right sorry, right here. Uh, my, my computer's all glitching out right now. I'm, f- I'm sitting here trying to read the freaking articles I have up. All right, so the Eagles got the number two pick, right? And a 2017 fourth round pick. The Browns got the number eight pick, the number 77 pick, third round, the number 100 pick, fourth round, and a 2017 first rounder and a 2018 second rounder right so think about it there's five picks one two three four five five six seven picks something like that yeah the number eight number 77 number eight number 77 number 100 first rounder yeah so five picks right all i'm asking right for the from the washington redskins is number 15 number 46 number 76 and a, a twenty twenty first, that's it, right? Th- that is totally doable for a chance to get who, in my opinion, is not a franchise quarterback. But look to each his own. That's the beauty of this world, you know. Uh, I I think that's more than a fair enough trade. I think it's more than a fair enough trade. I think if the Redskins want to really really lock in the trade, I think they should send the Jets Josh Norman. Jets need a corner. You know, Josh Norman would, would save them some some draft capital. Maybe maybe the Jets wouldn't want a first rounder next year. Maybe they'll take a third. Maybe a second. But I would tr- I would send Josh Norman in. They, look and Josh Norman would be perfect for what the you know he plays press. He could play off. You know, I think him and Tremaine Johnson, I mean who wouldn't sign up for that? Tremaine Johnson, Josh Norman, uh, Jamal Adams, Brian Poole, and Marcus May. I mean, that's a very formidable. <laughs> that's a very formidable secondary. I, I don't care who you are. Two years ago, if I'm telling you that, you're you're like, yep, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, I'm in. And you know, and Greg Williams' relationship with Tremaine Johnson, you could tell Jamal Adams likes him. You know, you could tell the defensive players liking him. I could see Josh Norman liking him, even though. I don't know. You know, a lot of people say Ron Rivera is an easygoing guy, but Panthers players who talk about him say that he's very hard on them in practice. And Josh Norman, I pers- personally, I think Josh Norman, I know his playing time with the Panthers wasn't as long with the Redskins, but I think he was better with the Panthers. I think they used him better. I, I, the Redskins are, are that. They are so good at getting good talent and turning it to shit. But then again, that's that's kind of why the Redskins are the Jets of the NFC East, in a weird way. And if the Jets really want to get, if maybe they don't want to go, maybe they can get a running back. Maybe they can get that guy, what is it, Darius Geis? You know, he blew his knee out last year, but good backup, you know, for Bell. The Jets don't really have him. Do you really believe in Eli McGuire? I don't. He could have locked it up last year, and I'm not. When it comes to modern-day football, I am not big into giving second chances to guys like that. You know, if you couldn't lock it up last year when there was no one there, I I don't expect you to lock it up this year. So if you have a chance to get it, yeah, I would do it. I, I, I would ask for him. Either him or Norman. I think that would be a great draft day trade. But just to touch on Le'Veon Bell for a second, and I'm talking about this with my boy Defoe today. 
And we were talking about Le'Veon Bell skipping the voluntary. This is the second. This is um basically the 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 mini camp that they had today was for for newer coaches. Um, to get more acclimated to the teams that they're coaching. So not every team got this, but, you know, Le'Veon Bell not being there kind of was a damper. I, I don't find it the biggest deal, but the optics of it just look like shit. Like, dude, you got all that money. Why wouldn't you want to be with the team, right? And a, a lot of people were texting me all day saying this. Why wouldn't he want to be with the team? Why wouldn't he want to show fans a good you know, a good faith gesture, you know? And like I said, my my friend put it good. And he goes, you know, I just don't understand how these guys don't show up to these things. Now, standard Americans working 40 plus hours a week, Monday through Friday for pennies compared to what they make, you know? And, and they're not even like, granted, they can be professionals, but they're not professional athletes, you know, on that type of scale. So, you know, and this is what else he said. He goes, in my opinion, it's your job and you should be there whether you're making $100 or a million dollars. And you know what? I agree with him. Le'Veon Bell, I'm a little disappointed. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not to the point, you know, oh my God, he's not there. It's the end of the world. But I will say I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, eh, it just rubbed me the wrong way that you got the money, you got that. And, you know, you kind of didn't show up for this. I, I would have liked to seen what it kind of looked like. With you, Darnold, and just all the guys they signed and brought in out there on one field. I think it would have looked better to the team. Now, if you want to go back and put this in perspective, Michael Strahan in, um, in the 2007 America's game with the Giants said that if he could go back and redo it and skip. And he was talking about, he was talking about minicamp OTAs, training camp. He's like, if I could go back and skip those and just pay a... a hundred thousand dollar fine he goes and spend more time with my family and 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 do some things i want to do and get my body acclimated a little bit better he's like i would do that every year he goes it was amazing so i want to just touch on that from both angles um and how i do kind of see where Le'Veon bell's coming from and look he you you obviously see he's working out. He's not two hundred fucking sixty pounds like they're talking about. He was, and if you believe that, I have a bridge to sell you. you know, you're you're about as gullible as it comes. Two hundred and sixty pounds. First of all, guy's an NFL running back. He he can walk around at two thirty. He can walk around at two fifty. You would never know. You know. they burn that shit off like that. You know these aren't normal people. They are they're machines. They're built differently than the average Joe. You know, their bone density is probably just 10 times more than the average human. So, look, this was just a little pre-draft special for you guys. Uh, I'm sorry I messed up on the on the Eagles-Browns uh, trade before, but my computer was freezing. But uh, now I'm going to touch on a couple more things on uh, draft day, draft night. I might do a live podcast. If you guys think that's a good idea, let me know. Um, again... This is your host, Richie Coven, signing out. Have a good night. Peace.